According to several sources, remote viewing continues to be used within both the military and intelligence communities. Most recently, according to some sources, military-trained remote viewers have been used in the search for Osama bin Laden. Viewers were also used to help identify and locate the sniper around Washington, D.C. in October of 2002. According to several news reports, in 2003, several experienced remote viewers were commissioned by this author to make a remote viewing study of the people and circumstances surrounding the 9-11 attacks. And this is the, uh, the book, The Terror Conspiracy by Jim Mars. Welcome uh, to another episode of Paratruther, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Tony Arterburn. I'm joined by the A-Team, uh, my top researchers. I've got Mr. Anderson is back. Welcome to your own show, sir. Oh, thank you, Tony. I, I thought you said this was going to be on the Gulf of Tonkin now, so it's been about two days. <laughs> oh, I'm, that is, uh, that's really unfortunate for you. Uh, false, false news, false flag, sir. Uh, sorry about that. Chris Graves, welcome back to uh, Paratruther, sir, your own show. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was not in Building 7 in 2001 at all. I swear, I was in high school. Just the, uh, okay, just non sequitur. And uh, <laughs> I, I, you, were you supposed to be the third plane? We'll have to figure that one out. I uh, was big enough. I was big enough to be a third plane, yes. But here's the, the, <laughs> the gentleman whose passport was found in the rubble uh, Charlie Robinson, uh, host of Macroaggressions, author of The Octopus of Global Control. Uh, the controlled demolition of the American empire. I could keep going with your bibliography, sir, but I uh, so appreciate you being here to to go over some of this weird history with us of remote viewing, ESP, psychic warfare. I thought we'd just do a paratruther on that. Uh, anyway, welcome welcome back to the show. I love, thank you for having me. I, I love this stuff. You know, I don't, I don't have, I don't know the ins and outs of it. You know, I'm not sitting in these meetings, but the idea of, psychic spies and remote viewing and tapping into this stuff gets in your brain. If the first time you ever do healthy dose of mushrooms, you know, you start to understand that there is a, a a world outside of the world that you are familiar with. And, and there's all sorts of things that can go on out there. And so you, first time you hear about remote viewing, you, you're very dismissive of it. Oh, come on. Oh, menus there at goats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know about that. That's nonsense. That's Yuri Geller bending spoons with his mind. That's that's silliness. And then and then you start to read into it in because we're all in the same, you know, field where we're we're looking at this stuff and you start to go, hey, listen, man, the CIA spent a lot of money on this. This is really important to them for a reason. There's something here. You know, that how do they know that there's a ring around Jupiter before the probe gets there. They go, no, you're seeing Saturn. No, I know what Saturn looks like. I'm telling you there's a ring around Jupiter. You know, what's going on here? <laughs> right? So there's, some, there's something happening, and I think it's fascinating. And anytime you get the intelligence agencies working on this stuff, you know, it, it just makes it it makes it a little bit more heightened in terms of like a priority like hey we should pay attention to it because it, it it doesn't matter if it if we think it's hocus pocus they don't they think it's real and worthy of their time and if it's and if they're looking into it then we have to watch because there's probably something there there yeah they funded it for decades and still probably still fund it. I think they like to so-called end these projects and then they go, so they get transferred to another department and uh, that, that, you know, timeline ends for whatever they were under, but it moves somewhere else. It doesn't actually ever end, especially when what you were listing off, Charlie, like these are documented facts, like cases where you talk about the rings around uh, Jupiter and um, was, was that Ingo Swan? Was the, yes. The, yes. Yeah. And yeah, I there's another book that Jim Mars did, um, Psy Spies, and it it was the the origin story of this, and and then you get like you mentioned the the men who stare at goats uh, with George Clooney. I mean, I watched that in theaters. There was a lot of it, you know, that that uh, traced everything back to Fort Bragg, which you know that's where I was stationed for five years, and um, Fort Bragg was you know home of the special operations and special forces and Delta Force and 
uh, some of those same operate. Yeah, you know, those are things that actually go on. Like when they had the uh, the scene where they were throwing the, you see somebody throw the, the grenade into the the where the goats are and the goats blown up and then you have to go in there and save it. that's what the sf used to do i don't know if they still do it but that's what they used to do they'd toss a, a fragmentation grenade and hit a goat and you have to go and save the goat which is really you know that's some twisted stuff but that's what they did to try to get wow. real life trauma practice so a lot of that that scenery it shows like Walmart army hospital i'm like that's that's for brag um let's go over a little bit of, you know so this is a you know a real uh, program inside the intelligence and, and defense department, uh, going back probably, I don't know. I'll, I'll throw this to Mr. Anderson. I'm thinking it we're, we're at least, uh, beginning of the 20th century, really. And a lot of the stuff that's really popularized in the seventies, I think maybe, you know, decades afterwards, we actually were working on some of this stuff, but, I have no way of knowing that um, officially, uh, Mr. Anderson. What what did you get on timelines for remote viewing funding by the U.S. government or intelligence communities? What, do you do you get an origin or a date? Well, um, I don't think I have a specific date um, to point to right now. I mean, what I really focused on was what went on at Stanford, so the Stanford Research Institute, because as Charlie was discussing, the CIA launched a remote viewing and psychic espionage programs there. And that's where Ingo Swan came in and a bunch of others. And it does seem kind of silly when you think about it um, from afar. Maybe not on mushrooms. It doesn't sound so silly. But you have to remember, as Charlie said, they invested a lot of resources into these programs like ARPA. Predecessor of DARPA was very involved in this in addition to the CIA. And it's not like how we spend money now where Rand Paul rattles off his government waste or what I call Rand Paul's flag waste. Um, you know, talking about two million to study whether kids dislike food that sneezed on or other bullshit like that. They were very interested in whether or not people could remote view, particularly things that were happening in Soviet Russia at the time. So one of the most interesting cases I came across was uh, Joe McMonagle. Um, Charlie, I'm sure you're familiar with him. And he's referred to remote viewer number one in the Stargate project, which really kicked kicked off in 1978. And he's a retired U.S. Army chief warrant officer. And he was doing some work with the National Security Council, and they actually put in um, into an envelope this satellite photograph and said, you know, this is the target, concentrate on us and tell us what's surrounded here. And it was this building in Soviet Russia at the time. And lo and behold, he starts describing that he sees advanced welding going on, and it looks like two holes of a submarine being constructed together. And they're like, there's no way that that it could be that large and they'd be able to construct it that way because it'd be crushed. And uh, this kind of pissed him off. And he said, well, in roughly a few months, you're going to see that they're going to launch it. And they did. And it was the Soviet typhoon submarine, which is highlighted in the, the movie Hunt for Red October. So there are a lot of instances like this that like Charlie kind of discussed as well that, you know, Ingo Swan and the, the, the rings at Jupiter that make you think, well, even if they miss a lot, I mean, Shaq missed a lot of free throws and he was still a pretty good NBA player. So maybe there's something to this. Well, that that, that is interesting. I mean, you have, again, more and more documented facts. This continues uh, to be funded by intelligence. It's, and there was we're a book. We were just, go ahead, Chris. Well, it said that uh, the Stargate project was terminated and declassified in 95 after the CIA report concluded that it was never useful in any intelligence operation. Uh, information provided by the program was vague and included uh, ir irrelevant and erroneous data, and there were suspicions of interjudge reliability. And as you mentioned before, the um, the program was featured in the, the uh, book and then later the film, The Men That Stare at Goats. And uh, Major General Albert Stubblebine, who I mentioned uh, earlier, um, he later became the president of the Mon Monroe Institute. And uh, basically, like what, what um, Mr. Anderson was saying, that it was basically to, uh, you know, have military applications and uh, for different targets. And there was all kinds of other code names like Gondola Wish, Stargate, uh, Grill, Flame, Center Lane, Project SF, Sunstreak, uh, Skinate. And then in 1991, um, when they were consolidated, they uh, 
that's when they called it the uh, Stargate Project. Basically. Charlie, it, when you you've been on a tinfoil hat and talked about this in a broad sense, and I remember we we were just talking about nine eleven. Oh, did what did you find uh, through some of your research in 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 this realm, other than what I've read in in Jim Mars' work? Yeah, you know the the role of the the remote viewers. You know when you it's such a tempting topic to take a look at 9-11, right? And, and one of the things that they did was uh, Courtney Brown, who runs this group, he, he, he told his, his team, we're never going to remote view 9-11. It's just, it's too emotionally charged and too obvious, you know, we're just never going to do it. And then it didn't for like 15 years. Right. And then one day decided to slip it in and have his guys remote view, like a couple different aspects of nine 11. And then, and they filmed it, put it out and it was wild, you know, and I, and I, and I like their stuff and, you know, and I'm not trying to say that like, you know, I'm not trying to say it's, it's all true or it's all false. I mean, I think it's, I think it's all fascinating for sure. And I don't exactly understand how they do it, but I'm interested in it. I, it's just, it's another data point and I want it and I want to see what's going on. And man, there's a, there's a part in the video where Dick Allgaier is drawing on the whiteboard behind him. The person that is running this operation in this secured bunker and he's drawing this guy, and as he's drawing it, you can kind of see the light. You could, you can almost see the light bulb above Dick Algier's head going off. I, he might, he should have just drawn a light bulb again, because all of a sudden, like halfway through the drawing, he realizes he's drawing Donald Rumsfeld, <laughs> and it is obvious to anybody that is watching it that he's drawing Donald Rumsfeld. So, so, so he's drawing the kills. You go, oh God, oh wait, wait a second, wait a second, and you could see he just was like, oh, you know, he finishes the chin and the little glasses and the, and this is the guy that's the cold psychopath who's making calculations and making and really running the show. And there's it's a windowless thing, and so you watch it, you know. And I and I'm again, I'm not saying it's all true, but it's, I mean, it it. It would theoretically fit. Nine <laughs> eleven you know? from the makers of aspartame. <laughs> you know, I mean, it wouldn't. It's not like Donald Rumsfeld is going to have some moral hangup about this as he's running Rand, as he's predicting yeah. these things, as he's in with the Enterprise, as he's in with Bush. You know, he. You know, this is the guy who would be involved in it. So, so some of this stuff, you know. Like their their work on nine eleven, I thought when they remote viewed it was amazing. I just yeah, Charlie, amazing. didn't they see who who was responsible for uh, rigging Building Seven with the remote? They viewing? did. There was a team of like eight people that were moving very quickly that knew what they were doing and had clearly worked together. That was the overall sort of me encapsulating yeah. what they what took them like 30 minutes to draw out and talk about but it was essentially there was a team that was wrapping f- f- flexible things around columns you know so you're going i don't know plastic explosive i don't know i mean i don't I'm not a special forces so i don't know anyway, yeah ch- ch- charlie have you- nonsense but have you seen i'd like to pull out that thread a little bit more have you seen any other instances of that because a lot of the remote viewers said they're not limited by time or space. So they could go in the past, in the future, the present. So it got me thinking like, why not look at who killed JFK or what happened in Vegas or what happened to Ed Hardy clothing? You know, like these, <laughs> these are questions that you can. <laughs> could you imagine this is, here's the fantasy. The fantasy is you, you become a crypto billionaire. And then in order to entertain yourself, you hire remote viewers to go look at things that you're interested in. You're like, right. How much would it cost to hire your team to remote view the Las Vegas incident? $40,000 done. <laughs> go do it. You know what I mean? Like you start doing things like that. Like that'd be the most interesting thing to do is to, is to have all these teams 
we'll just say like, what do you think, man? Take a look at this thing. Like, Right. And a lot of them do start businesses like that. Joe McMonigle, he started an RV business um, focused on corporate America, looking for oil wells and uh, mineral deposits and things like that. A lot like Uri yeah. Geller did after yeah. he, after James Randi took him down for a while. And the more I thought about this, I was like, wait a minute, I've heard this shtick before. Isn't this what Joseph Smith did with his seer stones before he, <laughs> he oh, found it? <laughs> he literally did that. So when they do things like that, again, I have a little bit of aversion, step back and I'm like, what? You, 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 you definitely, you definitely run the risk. You know, when you start monetizing your skills in this category, you definitely open yourself up for criticism. And that's just that's not and that's not any sort of indictment on them. Of course, I I I I happen to like the stuff that Dick Algeyer and Daz Smith do. I think it's cool. I think it's the coolest stuff around, man. I think, you know, again, I don't know how to assign in a percentage of how much of it is true and false, but like it's just it looks kind of like magic, and I and I. And I know enough to know that I don't know it all. And I have done enough psychedelics to know that there is a world beyond our, our current sober eyeballs. And if there's some way to tap into that, then that's, then all bets are off as to how far you can take something like that. Because once you, you know, I mean, once you've smoked DMT, not to go all Joe Rogany, but like, yeah. <laughs> you know, you, it's like the universe, all, everything is written in pencil. All of a sudden, all the laws of the universe are written at you go. Oh, okay. This is so, so could, could, could Ingo Swan really see a ring around Jupiter? I don't know, but he told them in advance right. that there was a ring around Jupiter and they, corrected him to say no i think you mean saturn and he's he said no i know what saturn is it's not that right it's thinner and it's jupiter and it and i'm telling you that's what it is and then the the voyagers go out there and they see it well i like to and correct me if i'm wrong but i seem to remember them asking him to remote view jupiter and he he declined to do so because he said i'm not going to review something you have no way of verifying whether or not what i remote viewed is there or not and he said and they said we do we have these probes going out and that's why he agreed to it. And so that added a little bit of credibility in my mind because that's he, he allowed himself to be black bagged too for that operation. I don't know right. if you know the, 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 the series of events that led up to he, him agreeing to do that. What part of it was that he agreed to surrender himself and l- have them put the hood on and take him yeah. someplace and down a, elevator shaft and into some secret bunker and into some room where they, you know, I mean, all politely and all uh, with his consent, but there was some like, you know, high, you know, spy craft shit going on. Right. Like, I mean, they were treating it very seriously. They took him to a place that was like where you don't normally go. They didn't just interrogate him in, in his, in his spare bedroom or something like that. I mean, they like took him, they like took him down to headquarters for real and had him remote view this stuff. And that's what he came up with. And, 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 and I mean, I don't know, man, I don't know how, how much of this you can really fake. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty verifiable thing, right? In a very specific thing to say that there's a ring around. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's known in astrological circles before that, and it wasn't. It was like a magic trick, but not, not, not what I found. And um, I also found fascinating. You've probably seen this, but he was tasked with remote viewing the moon too, the dark side of the moon. Yes. Can you go into that for a second for people who don't know? I don't remember exactly what he said about about that, but he, but he was he definitely they had him looking at the moon. The moon is a is a trip, man. I, some of those guys from the Farsight Institute remote viewed like a, a a place that was like a rundown old resort on one of the moons of Saturn. I think. Did you, I don't. Did you guys ever see that? You called it like an intergalactic hotel for like yeah, the rich. <laughs> and and I remember watching that going. There's no way to verify this, but it is the coolest story I've ever heard. Well, they have the, they had the, they had those photographs uh, supposedly from NASA that in the '60s where they 
the things that came back uh, to Houston or whatever were like glass structures on the far side of the moon and like right. domes and things like that. Um, and I think uh, I was talking with Billy Ray Valentine a couple of weeks ago about that. And uh, they wrote, I'm trying to remember the gentleman that wrote the book, but uh, it was called Dark Mission. And he actually had some of those photographs where you see like weird um, glass structures in the photographs. And like, it looks like rundown. Uh, I thought you were going to say uh, rundown, like nuclear power plants kind of scenario. And, but you, you, were, you were talking about something totally different. But this photographs that are really weird uh, that supposedly came from like the far side of the moon. So I you never mean, know. It, that seems I mean, that seems like something that would be of interest, right? To check yeah. out the moon. See what's going oh, on yeah. there? Maybe maybe it's a big nothing burger. Or at the very least, go remote view the supposed Apollo landing sites, right? Yes. That'd be a good place to start. You would think you'd look for evidence there. You'd look for the dune buggy. You'd look for all that stuff. Yeah. Keeps keeps going back to Burbank. What, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> going back to Burbank. <laughs> studio, yeah, studio 12 on the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah. Right next to the night show. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was there a latitude and longitude? <laughs> yeah. Why is there an NBC page like in the background? Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know, you go back through uh, ancient history, the story of mankind, you find the prophets, you find other mystics. And it just seems to be, I, first of all, I mean, I would go out and say, I believe this exists. I believe this is a, a phenomenon that can be proven. Well, at least there's enough substantial uh, circumstantial evidence, you know, you, you, put out there you know these predictions and that they that it, it'd be astronomical for them to come true like it, like there's not a, there's in the statistically it's it's just not possible right. to hit that many i mean yes you're going to miss because it's probably more of an art than a science it's 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 mystic it's mysticism it's yeah. it's probably not something that you can even quantify scientifically because you're talking about leaving the linear understanding of time and space. But if you, if you read anything about like the subconscious mind, there's a great book from the sixties called the power of your subconscious mind by Joseph Murphy. And it's it, it, that same book, you know, he talks about this, you know, his view was your subconscious mind is your link to God and it's God's gift to you because it, it manifests, you know, what you, what you put into it, it manifests kind of like a, you would plant seeds in a garden. And it would, you know, there was another argument in his book from the '60s that it there is no space between other minds. Like you would be able to pick up on, if like a loved one or something around the world, like you'd be connected in real time to them through thought. And thought, there's no, you know, it, it travels beyond, the, you know, what we would understand in physical uh, speed or anything like that with the speed of light. It goes beyond that, so it's it's all interconnected in real time. That's the, something that Joseph Murphy thought, and I, I don't think he's wrong. I mean, just from a standpoint, because I, I'm not an atheist. and I, Well, I Tony, I actually have a person in my life for the last 25 years, and uh, she's very important to me. And we share a lot of similar ideas, and we're, we're thinking about um, – not only each other uh, a lot of the not a lot of the time but it'll be one of those things where i put a lot of stock into what you're just saying uh that what that book is putting out there that people can be connected and be like very far away from each other and i'm a big like believer in that and uh, i've seen it so many times where um she'll be thinking about something and then i'll be thinking about it and then we'll touch base either later that day or like it, it, later in the week and it'll be like oh isn't that so weird and we always get a kind of a kick out of it like all the, you know because it's like there is a weird like psychic connection in a way so i think there's something too like what you're saying is, is there any commonality in the the people that have been confirmed rv I mean, is there is there something like on you know in the missing four eleven, or, or you know, there's always the they're mostly German background, or you know, like you just can't, <laughs> right. um, there's always found by weird, bodies of water. Yeah, they're all you know, all their shoes off, and they're you know they're they're in all, the woods. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they're always found in the spot that was already searched, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, is there well, is there I'm, some common thread? Anywhere? I do. I do. You recall? What, I don't think so. Because I mean, I think it depends on maybe who you're t talking about. Obviously, 
one of the common threads is if you're working at SRI, you're connected to the CIA. That's not the best common thread to have, but that's, that's one that a lot of these guys shared. So there's that, but there, but there's like this, there's also like the newer current batch of people that are doing remote viewing that are of the opinion that this is a learned skill that you don't necessarily have to be predisposed to it or psychic or anything like that, that it doesn't really work that way. It's something that you can do with enough practice over a long enough time horizon. Wasn't there an Institute, Charlie, where they suggested that you could actually induce this using sounds of certain frequencies to kind of lull your mind? Have you seen anything like that? I don't know. No, I I I, I remember coming across it a long time ago, but I was hoping. I, I knew somebody who went to one of these institutes and went through the training. And uh, I, this is a guy I met when I ran for Congress um, back in North Texas. He was an interesting guy. He was in his 50s at the time, but he told me a lot of stories about going. It was pretty intense training. And uh, I want to say that it was connected to Ingo Swan, but I, I can't confirm this was the something. I, I trust the guy. I know the guy. I've known him a long time. But he was telling me about it, and he would say that um, when you get really deep into it, and this is kind of like, you know, Charlie, you mentioned DMT. Yeah, and uh, some of the other these are these are very similar experiences, I guess. When people, if they can tap into that that brainwave activity, whatever that is, that you get into this, you know, able to project or see outside of yourself. He said that um, these little uh, gargoyles would show up in kind of <laughs> like kind of like the Clockwork Elves that the people see when they use DMT, like shared experience. So there's something weird with that. Like he would say, and and I think the instruction that he got was when these little gargoyles come out or whatever they are, the little clock, you just pat them on the head and they go away. <laughs> That's was, what this the, was this the Farsight Institute? It could be. I, I don't, he, this, oh, okay. we've talked about this kind of stuff. And I've just, you know, for the episode, I was just going back through my memory banks. Like if I ever talk and I go, yes, I talked to somebody who, and it was pretty detailed. I mean, he wasn't making it up, uh, right. but he said, that's what happened when you get in these States, you'd be, you know, and he'd say, I, I, he goes, I keep seeing these little, you know, creatures. They kind of think like, and I'm guessing kind of like a clockwork elf or something. And he said, the instructor said, just pat him on the head. <laughs> Telling you're good. He doesn't like that. <laughs> He's biting. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphysically, bit off my my fingertips. Now you well, just created an alternate uh, reality, another Mandela effect thing. Thanks, Tony. Well, <laughs> right. There is. Um, well, I, I think there's there is so much backing this up, and it's it's a strange phenomenon. It's it's like Charlie was saying. It's fascinating. Uh, it, it covers so much of what we like to talk about. I mean, it, it covers conspiracy, right? Uh, it, it covers the unknown, the unexplained. There's so many things that fit inside this box. Like when you're talking about remote viewing, because I mean, throw out what you, your preconceived notions of linear time, uh, you know, of, of who, who, who can actually see you, you know, it's like you're in your mind. Like I can see me and, and God can see me. Well, you know, Maybe, maybe Steve from the new, the, the learning Institute <laughs> channeling in. I always, I always thought that remote viewing would be a great tool for the evildoers or the powers that be like, let's say the Kennedy assassination, right? If you wanted to make sure you found, you were able to know exactly every witness that had to be taken out later on as the cleanup operation and you weren't videotaping it from every angle somehow. You could go back and use the remote viewing for the nefarious purposes, like a cleanup crew at a false flag like event. You could see exactly who saw what and who needs to be taken out and why and all, you know that type of thing. And I always thought that, that like if the CIA or some some kind of group group like that, they needed to do a, kind of a cleanup job. They would probably do some kind of remote viewing thing if they weren't already videotaping the event itself just to make sure all tracks are covered you know i wonder if george hw bush could could have gotten some remote viewers to figure out where he was on november 22nd 1963 because even he didn't know where he was. He didn't know yeah or 9 11 when he's with bin laden's brother yeah <laughs> well, you know charlie i want to throw it back to you 
do you find any other connections with remote viewing and, and what we're seeing now with um, what you would refer to as UAPs or UFOs uh, in your, in your study and, and some of this with, and I, I know some stories, I've heard some of the stories, but I'd like to hear them from you as far as some of these remote viewers running into a, an ET or a, what's inside of a craft or what a craft mm-hmm. is. You, you would hear these stories where they were remote viewing a, what could probably be described as a alien base and that while they were remote viewing the alien base and the aliens that were in there, the aliens noticed that they were being remote viewed by them and that that would always freak them out because they weren't used to anybody sort of seeing them, but that they would tell the stories of there were certain times where the aliens would would be like somebody's watching us and then they'd have to pull out or whatever abort the mission yeah wasn't that ingo swan had a story like that right charlie i think think it might have been ingo swan and he said they're not nice and don't interact with them um i believe that seems to be the general consensus but what was also interesting too just to add on to that um is one of those uh, individuals that I mentioned earlier, Joe McMoneagle, he said it was very easy to remote view things that had nuclear energy associated with it. And he explained it because of the excess entropy or energy there. And that made me think, I was like, okay, let's say that's true. Well, we saw like just this huge explosion of UFOs or UAPs and things like this after our atomic tests at Trinity. So if they were psychic, like Ingo Swan, suggested that they were from his experiences they would be drawn to that too you see what i'm saying yes yeah and i've even heard reasons why it was easy for him to easier for him to be around that sort of energy yeah that would be the same that would be like a beacon right to the universe like hey check us out there's like an unusual pulse of energy over here and if you're not limited by time and space you could make that move theoretically instantaneously right right i've I've even heard some of the remote viewers and i the names escape me but i've heard some of these these stories and interviews about when they're when they're remote viewing a a ufo that they actually can hit the hull whereas if they were remote viewing like an aircraft or something that we would think of here they would pass right through it like something that was man-made they could pass through anything but in the realm where they're remote viewing extraterrestrials or UFO, whatever they are, that they would exist in that place. So that may be what you're referring to. They were seen by the entities or something about, because maybe the, their thought or the projection from their mind or their subconscious, whatever that is, is actually manifesting there. Like, because that exists in a different plane. Um, maybe thoughts? that's what caused the Roswell crash to begin with was a remote viewer trying to go back and look at the what happened at Roswell and actually caused it to happen like, in general. Remote viewed it? <laughs> yeah, remote viewed it and like yeah. put a, a hole through the thing or whatever. You well, know? That, that, would, that would be, uh, you know, as far as time travel, like if you could disrupt, yeah. that would be the only way to disrupt is that you would be existing in that, that plane. That's interesting, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Did you see the MH370 stuff recently, Chris? What was it? The MH370 stuff that's been that's been going around. It kind of Tony Merkel, my partner on macroaggressions, yeah. had had the guy on. Kind of really kick started a lot of this, and then he started making the rounds, and they wound up on the. Uh, doing doing a bunch of shows talking about that with the three rotating orbs around it. Have you yeah. you know what I'm talking about? I've come across that before, and the idea that it's kind of like a updated version of the Bermuda Triangle thing uh, during like World War II with all the fighter the fighter jets disappearing through like right. vortexes or vortices, whatever, uh, just disappearing. Some people saying that possibly they even ended up going into the future somehow and not able to come back. Like I've heard that too. Even Courtney Love, Charlie, Courtney Love says she knew where that plane went. Like that was in the (laughs) news around the time. Yeah. Around that. And you know what? I, at the time I'm like, Oh, this is just Courtney doing her cycle babble and stuff. Then you find out that her and her father actually did have 
military intelligence connections later on that got declassified. So then I'm like, you know, maybe she wasn't making it up. Maybe she wasn't just trying to get some publicity. Maybe she does know. You know what I mean? But yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, before. That sounds a lot like the Philadelphia experiment with the USSL. Totally. Yeah. Super strange. With Montauk Island. They said that supposedly it ended up going to Montauk Island in 1984. And that everyone on board was horribly and painfully like killed because of it. But that's a whole other discussion. Anyway. (laughs) What do we know about what's going on in this realm now? Because history doesn't stop with what we're talking about. I mean, is, is there another, is there any evidence to show that we're looking at another top secret type program that other nations doing this? I mean, the Soviet Union, collapsed into 16 pieces when i was uh, 10 years old uh but it, you know mother russia's still there uh all that all that uh hardware and you know all the uh the the arsenal that they built up they still work on these type of things uh the, the chinese for sure i mean what uh, you guys come across anything that's recently updated because it seems that the timeline kind of i don't know if it was a, a way to kill it off or you know, and then you throw out movies like if you watch the movie The Ministeric Goats, it's nonsense. I mean, it's like, what do you even? I mean, I, I I know they were trying to get at a point that of really making this a satire of some kind, you know, and then fusing in the uh, Iraq War. But it was it was an interesting movie, but it was I, I thought they dumbed it down because there's so lot, most of this stuff is actually really truly fascinating <laughs> it's not just that's usually what they would do in the past like with the mk ultra things they would put it out through entertainment i mean with the cia having a liaison to hollywood and everything they put they, they give like studios and writers they give them like plot points especially the x-files chris carter the creator there was talking about how they'd have a, a cia guy like in the writer's room like like weekly giving them talking points usually it was bill cooper talking points or whatever but yeah, like they want to dress these things up that uh, actually, there's actual evidence for. They want to dress it up and be, oh, because then when people, they read about it later on, and, oh, this is science fiction because they put it out through science fiction. And it's not so, it's not so much fiction as they want you to go, oh, yeah, weather weapons and MK Ultra, remote viewing, men, men stare at goats, the idea of time travel. It's garbage. It's science fiction. They want you to not even think about it afterwards. Oh, it's just entertainment. Oh, that's just, that's, you know, they do that on purpose. Yeah. 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 Chris, to your point, Joe McMonagle co-wrote an episode of the science fiction show, the dead zone. And it was concerned with finding out where Osama bin Laden Laden was. Um, Yeah. And and they postponed it for a while. Yeah. Meanwhile, bin Laden was probably in on the writer's room too. Because they knew where he was the whole time, you know what I mean? CNN found him. They didn't yeah. have a hard time. They found him. Yeah, they should. They just showed right up at his uh, at his cocktail party. I Bill didn't know. Cooper was Bill Cooper was pissed about that too in the summer of two thousand one. He's like, yeah. "How the you know you well you can't find that uh, interview anymore either." I That's think good. I found it for Tony and Billy like uh, a couple of years ago, but it was in print or whatever, and right. they buried that. They buried they buried that one. That was that was the yeah. lead. Yeah. Yeah, but t- Tony, I didn't see anything really past what I remember as Project 8200, which was a follow-up on remote viewing um, that was the next generation of Stargate. And it only lasted a couple of years and was supposed to verify things Pat Price saw who worked on the program. And what he was concentrating on were these underground alien UFO bases around these energy centers and mountain ranges in the world. And uh, one was uh, around Mount Hayes in Alaska, but it only lasted a couple of years. And then it seems like attention focused. I mean, we spoke a couple episodes about, you know, the advanced aerospace threat identification program and stuff like that. Right. So I haven't seen anything um, recently about RV, at least the government being interested in it. You know Phil, Schneider too. Phil Schneider, uh, the late Phil Schneider, he, he was talking about those underground underground alien base uh, wars in like in like Mexico and, and things like that. And then some people think he was killed for talking about it, you know? Yeah. That's a whole other subject. Uh, we might have to do a underground, a, a dumb, a dumbs uh, episode sometime. Oh, uh, Charlie, episode. you up for a dumbs episode? Sure. Dumb dumbs. 
deep yeah. underground military bases and and Phil Schneider. That's an interest. That's an interesting little cul-de-sac and conspiracy. It's yeah, not- and there's some that were underneath uh, you know amusement parks in the Midwest that I came across like in the late '90s. Like I have all those articles. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. Well, Mr. Anderson, you mentioned uh, some of the commercial use uh, that's that you know that are, and I even mentions this in the terror conspiracy. As a matter of fact, let me pull this up. Uh, and this was written back in, I think Jim Mars got it out in 2003, uh, but they wouldn't publish most. I mean, he couldn't pick up any significant. Ch- I don't think it was released until 2007, so it was written a little, little bit earlier. So this is, you know, pretty fresh after 9/11. Uh, but he mentions. Uh, and this is his study that he commissioned uh, 11 remote viewers with extensive track records, took a psychic look at the events of September 11th, 2001. Several of the viewers involved asked not to be identified among those who agreed to be identified were Lynn Buchanan. I know that you guys heard that name. Uh, he was, he was featured in uh, men who stare at goats is his character or something that the character was based on him. Uh, formerly the trainer of the U.S. Army's uh, then top-secret Grill Flame and Stargate remote viewing programs, who now heads up Problems, Solutions, Innovations of Almogorda, New Mexico. So that that's private industry, is it? Right. Are we still seeing private industry with RV remote viewing? So a little bit. I think I mentioned it, though. Um the remote viewing to try to find, you know, different sorts of mines and things like that. Uh, the thing that I always come back to too, is I try to be fair and there's a really good documentary that taps into a part of this called an honest liar. I don't know if any of y'all have ever seen it. So uh, this magician called the, the amazing Randy, James Randy. So if you've ever seen South park, uh, Stan's dad, Randy's the amazing Randy. It's the cock magic episode. I won't get into that aspect, but, uh, what, what James Randi did was he was as an escape artist and he hurt himself and he learned at a very early age, you could really trick people. And so he was really flustered by the fact that SRI confirmed or said that they thought Uri Geller had psychic abilities. So there was a huge interest in the bending spoons by this guy named James McDonald. So think of McDonald Douglas Air Sports, uh, Aerospace Corporation, right? Um, he was interested in bending spoons or bending materials. So he funded um, a PSI research institute in Washington University in St. Louis based on this. And so J- James Randi at the time was used as a consultant on many of these um, experiments to uh, institute controls and things like that, because there's always the question of the scientific rigor that goes in authenticating whether or not somebody can do this stuff. So he got two kids who were in high school at the time and showed them all these magic tricks. And I always say tricks, I should say illusions because tricks are something whores do for money. But he showed them how to how to bend spoons and do all of these things. And at the end of this two-year study called Project Alpha, they fooled all the scientists into thinking that they had these abilities. Um, so I, I'm always, I, I want to bring that out just just to keep, you know, wasn't James Randi a big uh, a big skeptic that actually put up a whole like thousands of dollars to prove that uh, this stuff was real at one point? But he didn't like Uri Geller because he thought a lot of these people, whether it be faith healer healers or people like Uri Geller, were taking advantage of people who really tended to believe these things. And he said, "I'm not saying it's not true, but if it is true, there has to be controls put in place during this experiment so they can't cheat." And right. so one of the times he was used as a consultant when Uri Geller went on the Johnny Carson show and he told him what to do. And Uri Geller like fell on his face flat that evening. He couldn't do any of this, you know, pick, pick which, which thing has the, the ball bearing in it or anything like that. Cause he couldn't move and see how the, the different things containing um, the ball bearing were shifting differently. So I, I don't know that there's a lot of really good examples of this being authentic. So I think there's something there, but there's a lot of, other stuff, these hokey things, like you're talking about all these RV corporations and private industry. It's like, what is that about? And, uh, little, si- little side note, the amazing Randy, now that you bring him up, you know who his assistant was at one, at one point back in the eighties, I believe was William Rodriguez. Right. The, jan- the janitor on nine 11 that talked about the bombs in the basement. That's how he got his start. Uh, 
he was working at the World Trade Center as a janitor, but he was also, uh, when he first arrived in New York, I believe he was the amazing Randy's assistant. So that that kind of came back to bite him later on with the 9-11 truth thing, because people all of a sudden started turning on William Rodriguez at, at a certain point in the mid-2000s. But oh, Weird. That's, yeah. is, is that the one who's his partner? Is that the same No, that was his assistant. Uh, well, okay. uh, yeah, William Rodriguez was uh, the amazing Randy's assistant in like the late 1980s, right when William Rodriguez first got his job as janitor for uh, Mayor Koch, I think, actually, around that time in the 80s. But but I, I actually had a question for you guys. So you, have you guys kind of like remote viewing in a way? Have you heard of uh, Project uh, Pegasus? where there's a, a gentleman named Andrew Basaggio, I believe, uh, who made the claims that Donald yeah. Rumsfeld was able to actually see images of 9-11 happening in 1971. I'm not aware of this. I, yeah. I, I, I've heard a little bit about Project Pegasus, but okay. I, don't, I don't know a ton. Yeah. Supposedly, don't, the idea is, and just, actually for anyone out there that wants to check it out, uh, conspiracy theory with Jesse Ventura that season three, when he started to really go into weirder subjects other than 9-11 and JFK and things, I think the premiere episode of season three, uh, he goes into the Project Pegasus thing with the idea that um, somehow uh, Donald Rumsfeld in the early 70s was privy to the, some kind of technology where you could actually see events in the future. So huh. not exactly remote viewing, but I Isn't mean, that like looking glass? Isn't that yeah. basically? Yeah. Basically, that's, yeah. Looking, that's like the Project Looking Glass. I, I, I wasn't aware of the Donald Rumsfeld story, but I've heard. You know, this is a again, it's kind of like Project Blue Beam and some of these other right. ethereal conspiracy theories. That yeah, is there any you know evidence? Kind of like the Majestic Twelve or the documentation or whatever. You just never, there's no real linkage, but it sounds cool. You know, uh, <laughs> right. The idea Definitely. that Don, Donald Rumsfeld could actually see images of the World Trade Center burning back in 1971. Yeah, I don't sounds, know. It, it sounds like the Corona visor or whatever that the Vatican. Oh, no, yeah, well, the Vatican. That's another yeah. one. Yeah, where they supposedly can see any event in history, like through yeah. the, the Corona visor. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. That's what it reminded me of. But it was something. Well, Rumsfeld a, did work for Rand. Exactly. And Rand is kind of like seeing into the future. Yes, and, and they I'm had sure the fingerprints all over that. He was there with, with Frank Carlucci, yeah. his roommate from Princeton. They went into Rand together, and then they went into Laser Kell together, and then they went into taking down the Trade Center together. <laughs> to Rand has their fingerprints all over 9-11, as, as does um, the other uh, Raytheon. Too, which uh, Raytheon for a lot of people out there, I think I sent this to you, Charlie, in one of those uh, many thousands of links that I would send everyone ad nauseum. I apologize. Um, one of the articles had to do with the fact that Raytheon was giving all the passengers their their employees that died on all four, any of their employees that died on any of the four flights on nine eleven, they were giving them like hero awards posthumously or whatever. And it was the oddest thing. It's like, what about all the other passengers? Like, that didn't work for you? Like, you're you're given... Why were they... I mean, not to say that they were bad people, but, like, why are they heroes? Because they died on the 9-11 jets? Like, I never understood that. Because they sacrificed themselves so that Raytheon could make a, an extra couple billion dollars. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This sounded guys, very, very cold. <laughs> yeah. You guys know about um, Edgar Casey. Oh yeah, yeah. Early twentieth yeah. century healer. Was he out of out of Florida? Where was he out of? I want to say he was out of. Yeah, I want to say he was out of Florida. Yeah, uh, I I remember watching you know documentaries on him when I was a kid, and you know this guy he supposedly could fall into a, a bit of a, a slumber, like he'd go to sleep, and then he'd have some sort of consciousness still ro rolling, and then he would just project, and this was that sounded it sounds eerily like what you would consider remote viewing. And right. he had so many, like he had the Atlantis prophecies that would find a lot Atlantis. of Atlantis work, a lot of Atlantis stuff and um, Egypt, Egypt. Uh, and what was underneath the Sphinx? You know, there was uh, under the right paw of the Sphinx. There's all, all sorts of that. They would find scrolls there and lines. Yeah. 
right? Ley lines and uh, the Bimini Road. You know, they fin- eventually found. Oh yeah, Bimini. in the Caribbean, yeah. right? The hot zone there off of Cuba, Bimini and Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, real, real detailed work. Yeah, Did he ever was, was was he around for the Guidestones? So the Guidestones was 1979. I think Edgar, Edgar Casey was probably already had, deceased. I think right? he passed on by then. Yeah. We could look it up, but I don't um, yeah. look it up, Chris, see when he died. But he was a real interesting figure. This Again, you go back through history and you find these type of figures and there may not be a lot of them. And maybe, it, and, and of course, on the other end of the spectrum, maybe, if if one person can do it, does that mean everybody can? I mean... Is that true? Do we all have that ability? I think, I think we all have, because we're we're made of that spark. That you know, if you believe in God, I'm not a, I'm not an atheist because it's ridiculous. I mean, if you, I, I'm a thinker, and I, you can think your way out of atheism pretty quick. I mean, it's just I was I was thinking of someone different. Here. But apparently, Edgar Casey died in 1945. I thought he died. I thought he lived all the way up until the late 70s. I didn't think it was. I just knew it was like early 20th century and. Yeah, yeah. He was born in the 1800s. I thought, I was, th- I thought Edgar Casey was the clairvoyant, and I think he is. But I think there's another guy, an individual too, that was famous in the 70s for the same exact thing. And his name escapes me right now. But, uh, but yeah, 1945, he passed away. So way before the Guidestones. But I wonder if anyone remote but just in time who- to invade David Wilcock, <laughs> right? <laughs> Not about that. I wonder if anyone remote viewed who uh, blew up the guy stones yet. I know they have it on tape, but you <laughs> might, I mean the tape is gone, so we might as well <laughs> might as well remote view I that. Save you some remote viewing. You, you yeah. know what I want? You know what I want remote viewed? If we're yeah. taking, if we're placing orders here, <laughs> I want to. I want to know what was on the in those envelopes that was ha- that were handed out at or not at, at at H. W. Bush's funeral. Ten percent off adrenochrome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jeb looked like he saw Fire yourself. <laughs> Alibis for uh, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. For anyone who's still like like uh, anyone who has that uh, life extension technology that uh, what's his face uh, that just died recently was supposedly had um, Kissinger. <laughs> Oh, did the, he? the oldest fat man in the history. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, he's yeah. in McDonald's all the time, but he lives to a hundred and yeah. Yeah, Charlie, I'm interested in that too. Did, does anybody have information or theories I don't on that? Know. I've well, never heard anything. Anything. Oh, weird looking at their faces, like, oh my god. I know. What does it take to spook these people? <laughs> yeah. Don Jeffries and I talk about that all the time, like the different uh technology that supposedly got buried. Um, that could be just a picture of a crucifix, and that's just the way they (laughs) (laughs) yeah, a Bible verse, or they're not supposed to hand me that stuff, an envelope of uh, garlic. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a that's a that's a really interesting point, Charlie. You know, and there's used to be, gosh, you know, you you mourn for the days of these guys like Jim Mars, yeah, like. A journalist, kind of like you know, I was talking to Mr. Anderson last night, uh, Charlie, about you and uh, about your book, The Octopus of Global Control. And I said, You got to read it because Charlie goes over the Boston bombing. And once you read that, you read Charlie's chapter on the Boston bombing, like we got to do a show on that too, guys. But um, oh, yeah, and I get a lot of Dave McGowan stuff. He goes, he, de- he, he deconstructs Boston with all the photographic evidence and everything. We have yeah. to do that. Yes. I mean, it's just like, I mean, they're phoning it in. It, yes, it, right. it, it, so it's so, it's so lazy. But I, I, you know, I think about, so Charlie's one of the guys that we have around. Thank God we just got responsible thinkers, you know, because so much of, of what we talk about and in this realm of alternative media, now you got David Icke coming out saying, um, it's mainstream alternative media calls it ma'am. So now we have have a mainstream alternative media that like takes the narrative and gets all the views. And then, so again, you know, I'm not form your own opinions of those guys. I don't need, I don't need to talk about any of those, but form your own opinions about who David Icke says ma'am is and uh, do your own thinking. But there is, there's, I miss these guys. I miss the, the responsible deep dives, the, 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 
like Jim Keith, like Jim Keith, yeah, like Jim Keith, like we did the uh, the black helicopter episode, uh, one of the yeah. first paratroopers. We did. Jim Keith had the book about black helicopters over America and Oklahoma City, and then I'm fairly certain that they they took his ass out too. I mean, with uh, he fell off the stage at Big Bear and uh, hurt his knee. He ended up having to go to the hospital, and he goes, "I don't think I'm getting out of here." And lo and behold, he had a blood clot like less than like 24 hours later. It sounds a lot he, like uh, Joe McCarthy checking into Bethesda Naval right. Hospital, or <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the Don Don brings that up too. Forced, you know, Forced checking off. into Bethesda Naval Hospital. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's some things you don't want to check into. Uh, that's probably if you're if you have a if you have a soul, that's probably a good place to stay out of. But Charlie's um, one of the best, uh, like you said, he's one of the best. Uh, and same with Don, you know, um, we don't have too many, too many of those kind of guys anymore. You know, um, well, I just wanted to, what I had, I was thought of it and I, yeah. from, I, I wanted to, I'm comparing you to Jim Mars, uh, Charlie. I appreciate um, that. I, Jim Mars passed away right before the octopus came out. And I remember thinking to myself, damn, that's a guy I definitely wanted to talk to. And he's gone now. Well, it's, it's, and we have to, these are resources and that's why I want to do these kind of shows. Cause this is forever. I can go back and reference that this conversation that we're having. Yeah. And you know, we got, we do have people like Charlie. We have people like Don Jeffries. Thank God. You know, we got people like James Perloff, uh, David Knight, you but know, people, but people like Jim Keith and Dave McGowan, a lot of their stuff is going away like with right. the internet, you know, and people aren't preserving it. Like I preserved as much as I could, but Jim Keith used to write for a website called nitro news. One, well, once he died, like within a couple of months, if you go back in the Wayback Machine, Nitro News and his articles, like they were already canceling all of his stuff like online in the late 90s, you know, right right after he died. So I like the idea of what you're saying. Like we got to preserve as much as we can, you know, because that's, that's, that's why I yeah. have this channel. That's why I just what Paratruth is for these kind of talks. Do you guys want to hear uh, the results from the 2003 Remote viewing on 9-11 that Jim Mars oh, had done from absolutely. the terrorist. Yes, please. Uh, well, we're going to close with this, by the way. I, it's it's Sunday while we're recording this. We're going to get Charlie back to his family and everybody else back to their families. Uh, so these 11 viewers gave yes or no answers to the questions. The answers below reflect the majority of the re- viewers' responses. So it's based off the majority of the votes. Did President George Bush have foreknowledge of the 9-11 attacks? No. Did George Bush Sr. have foreknowledge of the 9-11 attacks? Yes. Did Dick Cheney have foreknowledge of the 9-11 attacks? Yes. Did the Israeli Mossad have foreknowledge of the 9-11 attacks? And it's a it's neutral. It's possibly. Uh, they were too busy dancing. Uh, number five. <laughs> <laughs> dancing and taking pictures. Just having a good time. Yeah, yeah uh, lighters up. Yeah, picture taking. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's just, uh, you know, a celebratory time. Did Osama bin Laden have foreknowledge of the 9 11 attacks? Yes. So they, so Tim knew. Uh, number six. <laughs> were the planes that crashed into the World Trade Center controlled from the planes? cockpits so was were the planes controlled it from the planes cockpits no remotely right <laughs> it's, it's asking right if, were, were they controlled inside the cockpit no i was just making a joke yeah uh number seven was the collapse of the world trade center towers caused only by planes striking the buildings and it was equally divided oh uh hmm. number eight was any u.s intelligence agency involved in the 9-11 attacks Yes. Uh, nine. Were any members of the Trilateral Commission, Council on Foreign Relations, or the Bilderberg Group responsible for the 9-11 attacks? Yes. And last, uh, was United Airlines Flight 93 shot down? Yes. So that's the commission results from what Jim Mars had done in 2003. Lines up pretty much with reality. I wonder what Jim Mars would have thought of the whole COVID and January 6th debacles. I can only imagine. Yeah. We're just missing so many voices. I mean, this, I this insane, this insanity. So it's, it's good sometimes to uh, go off into the realms of remote viewing, but I think it's the time, right? We're in this weird time where let's look into remote viewing. I mean, everything's on the table. 
everything's on that. I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm, you know, I think even Jim Mar said the, your mind works best like a parachute when it's open and I, my mind's open. I, I'm looking at, at things. If, if you haven't been, <laughs> if you, if your paradigm hasn't been shaken and questioned, even with, even as a conspiracy analyst, like we all here on, are on the panel in the last four or five years, you're not paying attention. Like my paradigms get shifted daily. You know, I have to really question. So these are the kind of things that these, you know, we're not, I, I don't know that I'm going to, I'm not an advocate in saying we got to remote view everything or it's, it is the, it's an exact science, but it is something that I think exists and it's something that I think deserves a look. But uh, uh, Charlie Robinson, uh, thank you so much for being here. Uh, tell people where they can find you, how they can support your show. Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I will be introducing David Icke virtually to the stage on Arcapulco a week from tomorrow, which will be fun. Tony, you'll be there. I will be. Um, people that want to go check out my new website, macroaggressions.io is the place to go. You can find information about the podcast and the books and the all that good stuff. And, uh, and I appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. I'll see you in Mexico. Absolutely, you will. Are are you going to be introducing me in uh, for the Anarchapoco? I mean, I, no, I'm you're going to be on crypto. Wednesday. You're going to be Crypto Day, and I know that on Crypto Day, Danny Sessom from the Crypto Show will be introducing you. He's a good dude. He's very been very helpful in the recovery efforts in Acapulco after the hurricane. He's been leading that as he often does. He's a pretty charitable guy. You'll get along with him really well, and he'll be introducing you. He's got the floor on Crypto Day. I've been working on a outline for my talk and I I'm yep. going to, I'm going to give a talk I haven't given before. So I'm looking forward to cool. I'm looking forward to it. Um, just being around that energy, all the, you know, the, the, the crypto uh, sphere and the libertarian sphere, the people that love, love Liberty, uh, the anarchists. And then you yep. get people like David Icke, uh, you know, Jeff Berwick and you, it's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. Uh, Chris Graves. Tell people whether they can find all your 300 podcasts. Sir. <laughs> not, so, not so much anymore, but, uh, and that's not a bad thing, but uh, yeah, I'm on freeworld.fm. I'm trying to get better at the engineering of like the technical stuff. So I got, uh, I got whatever episodes that didn't get erased of my get mad show uh, that I used to do. Those are on Monday, Monday nights on uh, freeworld.fm. I have cranium blender, which is my MTV pop culture kind of, music video kind of um, show that's on Wednesdays. I had the great Melissa Arterburn uh, co-hosting with me. Uh, that was fun. Um, and I have Digging Chris Graves on Fridays on freeworld.fm. And I'm hoping to have some people that were involved with uh, the Jaws movies on uh, an upcoming Digging. So look out for that coming up. And uh, Mr. Anderson, I know that uh, you only want to be contacted through remote viewing at this point. So I, I will, uh, I will, I will, if you need to, to reach uh, Mr. Anderson, you can go, go through our website. You can find us uh, at paratruther.com. As a matter of fact, you can leave us a voicemail. Uh, so go to paratruther.com. And thank you, Charlie. It was a pleasure having you on. Oh, thanks for having me guys. I appreciate thanks, it. Oh, it's good to see uh, you. Yeah, absolutely fun show. And folks, uh, Give us a review on if you find Paratruth on Apple Podcasts. Give us a review. I finally, it took me like a year and a half. I finally got it up on Apple. It took forever. Um, so we're, anywhere podcasts are found, Arterburn Radio Transmission, same thing. You, you'll find Paratruth up there and uh, on the America Unplugged channel over on Rockfin. So look forward to another episode very soon. We'll, uh, the guys will get together and we'll uh, we'll come up with some more interesting topics to go over here. Uh, Boston bombing in the moon. <laughs> we we've got so many to cover. Uh, we're not we're not we're, there's no shortage of conspiracies, folks. There's no shortage of weird things in this existence. So we'll be back with an all new episode here in the next week or two. All right, so stay tuned. And remember, in the information war, be a paratruther. See you next time. Life is a continuous confrontation with forks in the road. One is good, one is bad. And you could always wander completely off the road altogether and become lost. Totally and completely lost. If you take the wrong fork, 
at one of these junctions, there is always the opportunity at the next fork to get back on track. But it is a constant battle within ourselves. You see, I have studied this concept for many, many years, and I have to tell you that if there is a real devil, like Flip Wilson used to say, the devil made me do it, I'm not telling you that there's no such thing as Satan or Lucifer. I'm telling you this. If there really is a devil, that devil exists in the hearts and minds of men and nowhere else. Nowhere else. For if you take man out of the equation, evil ceases to exist. And there is left only the laws of the universe and the balance of nature. Put man in the equation, and before long, evil will rear its ugly head and present itself to the world. The evil is within man, and that is why it was called the fall. The devil never made anyone do it. If you do it, you did it yourself because you fell into temptation. For until man once again confronts the real nature of his own condition and of the world around him and accepts full responsibility for his actions without blaming anyone else or any devil, until then we will always be a puppet on the end of someone else's string. And ladies and gentlemen, when that someone pulls that string, we will dance.